Hey, what's going on, Connect Church and everybody that is viewing this service? I am thrilled that you are here with me. Listen, I'm going to get right into the message today. Um, we're going into this Palm Sunday experience. This is the first Palm Sunday message in my career that I've ever spoken because we usually would do like Good Friday the week before. So I'm excited to talk to you. And, and the message I've entitled, um, Be a Good Donkey. Come on, be a good donkey. You don't want to be a, you know, a BA. You want to be a good donkey, okay? So this is going to be a good message for many of you. Before I get into it, I just want to encourage you uh, kind of wherever you are, that though the church thing has changed a little bit, nobody's in the building. The church has not closed. Come on, somebody. We've just changed locations. And so the truth is more people are meeting and gathering than any other time in the history of our church. And this is true of many of the churches that we affiliate and associate with. And in addition to that, not only a lot of people watching online, for example, today, I'm sure, but a lot of people are also in community groups online groups. In fact, we have more people in online groups than we've ever had in groups in the history of our church. So I want to encourage you, if you're online today and you're not kind of plugged into a smaller relational context, go to our website, look up under groups, and connect online. It's going to change your life in a powerful way. Well, listen, I want to pray for you. As we open up this service today, would you just join me? Would you close your eyes? Not because it makes you more spiritual, but it helps you focus. Father, we thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus, into this world. Lord, he had a, uh, a triumphant entry on Palm Sunday. But before that, Lord, he came as an innocent baby. He lived a sinless life. Uh, he gave his life for us, and he rose on the third day. Lord, we're in that season right now, and I pray that you make it come alive for us, Lord. I lift up other churches today that are meeting online and others that could not. And I just pray that you would uphold them, you would sustain them, and you would preserve them, Lord, because we know the church is the hope of the world. I pray for people out there that are struggling, Lord, economically, uh, relational isolation, uh, physically struggling from uh, this virus. And I plead the blood of Jesus over them, and I ask that there would be healing. I ask that there would be a connection with other people that could bring them support emotionally. And Lord, I pray that through this message and through this word, people would find the spiritual food that they need in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, somebody. I want you to get excited in this message today. Listen, so we're going to talk about Jesus' uh, triumphant entry into the holy city. This happened a couple of thousand years ago, but I believe it's super relevant. At the time, the people there expected uh, kind of a new king, a king that would come and bring freedom from the oppression and tyranny of the Romans. And the Jewish people expected this Messiah to be a physical king, someone who would come and set them free, literally a physical king, a physical government, a physical kingdom in this holy city. Now, at this time, that wasn't going to happen. Later, Jesus will come back and he will rule and reign in this same city to fulfill prophecy. And we'll talk about that in the future. But we know that he didn't come as kind of onlookers and, and people that know the story to establish a literal physical government. But we can see in the Gospels, and there are, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are few stories 
where in every single one of the Gospels, the story appears. But this is one of those stories that appears in all of the Gospels. Each one has a little different detail, but there's still a harmony of the Scriptures. We're going to be focusing primarily today from Luke chapter 19. So if you're old school and you kind of want to put a thumb near uh, uh, the Scripture, it would be Luke 19. If you're getting your digital Bible or whatever you do, look up Luke 19, 28. And this is what it says. It says, Jesus... He went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. So uh, this is interesting. Jesus is kind of on earth to fulfill a certain mission, to give his life for humanity. But I want to pause because this hit me the other day in my study. Because I, I love this thought that Jesus was ahead of the disciples. In other words, Jesus was the leader. He was leading them. And the simple thought was this. That in order for Jesus to be, he was, of course, the clear leader, but for him to be effective, it's really important that we let him walk out in front of us. I used to tell my kids when they were younger, my wife would do the same. If we were in an unknown territory, a, a different area, a place in space, say in a mall that they'd never been, I'd say, kids, 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 I can't lead you if you keep getting out ahead of me. And there's this tendency where we'd have to kind of say, no, 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 not that way. Come over here. Get behind me. Let me lead you. Let me tell you where you need to go. And as parents, we know that. But sometimes I think God is looking down from heaven to us, and maybe he's a little discouraged because we're saying things like, God, where are you? Why won't you give me direction? Why won't you tell me the next step of my life? Uh, why isn't the Holy Spirit speaking to me? Uh, I don't really know what's going on right now in these circumstances. And I think God... God in heaven is saying, I can't lead you if you don't let me stay in front of you. And I wonder how many of us are in front of Jesus leading our own lives. Anyway, that's for free, a little side sermon. Let's go back to the story in Luke 19, 29. And it says, and he came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, and he sent two disciples, we don't know which two they were, and it says, that he said to them, go into the village over there, and as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden, uh, ridden. untie it and bring it here. So get this, Jesus sends these two guys out to, you know what carjacking is and hijacking is, he sends them out donkey jacking, okay? He basically tells them, I want you to go steal a donkey. This is crazy. And in verse 31, it says, Jesus speaking, if anyone asks you, why are you untying that colt that doesn't belong to you? Just say, the Lord needs it. Now, I'm just going to insert a little... Uh, you know, ministerial license here. I think this was like the first time, long before Star Wars, the Jedi mind trick came up. If they ask you about this cult and they say, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. And so I think it's just like, stop, the Lord needs this. You don't want to know where the donkey's going. You know, this, is, this business is for these people right here. Just give them the donkey. So I, I just love this scene. And not only that, but Jesus is extremely prophetic here. He describes a place he's never been. Uh, he says you're going to find a donkey. He basically says you're, you're going to take the donkey. Somebody's going to try to stop you or impede you from it and just tell them the Lord needs it and it's going to work. This is amazing because sometimes I can't, he can see that, 
and, and be there without being there. I can't even remember things I haven't, excuse me, I have seen. He can see things that he hasn't seen. I can't even remember things I have seen. Sometimes I get in arguments with my wife because I've lost something. I've lost my keys, my wallet, or something like that. And, and I'll say, I think they're here. She says, no, 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 I don't think they're there, honey. And I'll say, no, no, I'm pretty sure they're there. She goes, no, they're not there. And then I'll say, honey, you know, maybe, I'm pretty sure I left in my office. No, it's not in your office. Have you checked your pockets, honey? Honey, it's not my pockets. Of course it's not my Oh, gosh, there it is. It's in my pocket. And so over time, I've learned, don't argue with Stacy, because she's right, and she, she's got a better memory. But in this story, Jesus is describing a place he's never been, and he's actually dead on, gets it right. In verse 32, it says, so they went, these two disciples went, found the colt, just as Jesus said. He's right. Verse 33, cool story. And sure enough, as these two disciples were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? Why are you untying the colt? This is kind of a gracious response to two donkey jackers, okay? Uh, you know, it's kind of like, excuse me, sir, uh, are you stealing my donkey? You know, do you have need of it? You know, if this was your mode of transportation and you saw somebody hijacking your car, like, you wouldn't be like, uh, do you have need of it? Excuse me, do you have need of this? No, you would be like, like in the Bible, it would read something like, you know, and then PD tackled him, okay? This, they were so gracious. What kind of owners are these? So the disciples who have been given the marching orders from Jesus as to what to do, where to go, what's going to happen, I don't think, though, they were prepared for the awkward encounter with these owners. And so I think as they're approaching these two guys, the donkey, they thought, you know, oh, man, there's the donkey over there. This thing's never going to work, you know. Um, okay, the owners are coming. Uh, you, go get it. Hurry up. Grab it. And, and no, 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 no. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you better get it. You better get it. The owner's coming. And then all of a sudden, the owner's like, what, hey, guys, what do you think you're doing? What, what, are, you, what are you doing with my donkey? And, 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 and why, why are you taking it? Do you have need of it? And they're like, the Lord needs it. What? What did you say? The Lord needs it. And I think they just kind of... The Lord, they had to like go for it and what? And then all of a sudden it worked, you know, this Jedi swipe. And, and, and then in verse 34, it says, the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus. They threw garments over it for him to ride on. And as he rode along, the crowd spread out the garments on the road ahead of him. This was basically a symbol of honor at this particular time. Now, you see garments here, but what about the branches? What about Palm Sunday and these palm branches? Where does that all come in? So you have to move to John's account. So we're going to get out of Luke. We're going to go to John, and we're going to see where this Palm Sunday thing comes up. So again, different details, but all the basic story is the same. John 12, 12 says, The news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city, and a large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down to the road to meet him. So John unpacks a new detail about the Passover and about the palms. Now, Passover was when the entire nation was celebrating the liberation of Israel from Egypt. And every year, it was a responsibility of the Israelites to come into the holy city and celebrate Passover together. We're going to be celebrating Passover this Friday in a special service, so stay tuned. Look for that. We're going to have communion together. We're going to uh, plead the blood of Jesus over our circumstances, our families, our situations, and we're going to have a powerful service there. But 
um, John unpacks this thing about uh, Passover, and and but addition here, uh, while while this is going on, by the way, as many as a million uh, historians believe, as many as a million people are there in Jerusalem, which by the way is not a big city, so it was crazy. And in the middle of this crazy, Jesus enters the scene with all these people there, and the Roman tradition was that a conquering king would come in. And they would put palms down before him as a conquering king. But another tradition, not Roman, but more Jewish, like, for example, around the Feast of Tabernacles, would be that you would take the palms and wave them in the air like you just don't care. No, you would wave them in worship, and you would celebrate the good things that God has done in your life. And in either instance, if the Jews were there, they would sing this song taken from Psalm 118. And it's amazing that this, this is in the Old Testament, but it comes out here in the New. So in Luke 19, it says, verse 37, when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, this is Luke 19, 37, all of his followers began to shout and sing. And they walked along praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. And then this is where the prophetic song comes in. It says, blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. And and then it goes on to say, it's not in your notes, but Hosanna, Hosanna, which means the Lord, the Lord, please save us. And so they were crying out in the streets there with just a million people, hundreds of thousands of people. They were crying out to him. They were saying, save us, save us. And so Jesus this time comes in and allows the people to honor him, um, to celebrate him. You, you, know, you know if you've read your Bible that whenever something amazing happened, Jesus would like downplay it. He would shut it down. Uh, he, he, he wouldn't take the credit or the glory. Uh, he would dismantle it. He, he'd sometimes pack up shop and just leave when that happened. But this time he allowed this elevation of praise and worship of him in front of a million people or more. And it lit the city on fire. He was celebrated as a king. But what's even more fascinating was Jesus' mode of transportation. If he comes in on a donkey, like if I was going to come into the scene like that and I was going to be celebrated, I wouldn't come in on some little Sebastian, okay? No, I would have found me uh, a Mustang, uh, a Clydesdale, a chariot with horses, uh, an elephant, you know? You know, I would have, that's a terrible elephant. My wife would kill it. But I, wanted, I would want to be like, I'm the man. I would want something kind of strong. But he comes in on a little donkey. Why did Jesus do this? Well, I researched this a little bit, and I found that the the Roman kind of symbolism in this would be when a king comes in on a horse, it was a declaration of war. But when a king came in on a donkey, it was a declaration of peace. And so they weren't seeing that, but the people's expectation was that Jesus would set them free from their physical oppression. And too many times, our expectations of Jesus are opposite of his desires for us. And so Jesus was coming to do something spiritual. He had a deeper work. He had a more eternal work. And So write this down if you're taking notes. Jesus rode a donkey because Jesus wasn't declaring war between the Jews and the Romans. Romans. 
Jesus was declaring peace between God and man. I mean, if, if you didn't say amen, I should hear you. That was such a good point, okay? That's good. Now, there's a prophecy in the book of Zechariah that is 1,500 years old. This last week, I, I revealed some biblical prophecy in our Facebook Live experience. This is incredible, though. Zechariah 9.9 says, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Can you, um, I mean, that's just incredible that God would speak that through the prophet Zechariah, and that would be so early in the process and story. It's fascinating that Jesus comes in as a king, but he comes in riding on a donkey. And what's also interesting about this and about Jesus, and I just thought this was comical, is but that Jesus was a prolific borrower of things, a prolific borrower of things. I don't know. Do you do you ever borrow things from your neighbor? Do you like to borrow things from your neighbors? Like, I, I maybe you know what borrowing is. You know what borrowing is. Borrowing is you take something from somebody else until they take it back from your garage. Okay, it's just it's a practice. I think that we've all been guilty of. You borrow a mower. You borrow a rake. You borrow somebody's snowblower. Uh, I mean, I'll borrow a TV if you let me. Uh, I'll borrow a condo in Florida if you want to let me. But, but, but borrow was a practice that Jesus had. Check out some of the things that Jesus borrowed. Jesus borrowed a manger to enter the world, uh, to come in as this innocent baby. He borrowed a boat to preach to the masses. Uh, Jesus borrowed a little boy's lunch to feed a crowd. Now, he gave back. He gave back 12 times what was given to him, but he borrowed a lunch. Jesus, we can see in the story, borrowed a donkey to enter into Jerusalem. Jesus borrowed a room to have the last supper with his disciples. And listen, next week we will celebrate that Jesus borrowed a tomb to conquer sin, death, and the grave. Come on, somebody. We're going to celebrate Easter next week. And so here's my big idea, my big thought for you. This Easter, I want you to remember this, and we're going to unpack it. Jesus wants to borrow you. Jesus wants to borrow you. See, I think for a few days between now and Easter, Jesus would like to leverage your influence, uh, leverage uh, your relationships, leverage your life. I think if we're smart, we can see ourselves and find ourselves in this story, maybe not the way you would expect, but I think every one of us is called to be a donkey. We have a uh, unique capacity, a unique design to carry the Savior into a crowded, chaotic, cursed world and bring peace. The greatest need the world has right now, come on somebody, is peace. And I think we have to approach this Easter not just celebrating uh, what God can do for me, what God has done in my life, although I think that's important, but Easter is the best time to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ into a crazy world. And you may have certain expectations during this time of how Jesus uh, should and could change the physical circumstances that we are in currently, but I promise you this, 
The change that is most important is what Jesus wants to do with our eternal soul, not our current situation. And I'm not saying he's not going to do something about that. I'm just saying one trumps the other. And the fact that he conquered sin, the fact that he conquered death and the grave, for all mankind to be in relationship with him now and forever is something that we should participate in, making known and celebrated in on that special day. And I believe we all have a responsibility to share with others who don't know. PD, I don't feel qualified. I, uh, I, that's not my strength. I, I'm not evangelistic like you. I, I, don't, I don't know how to share my faith. I have this hope. I have uh, this peace, but I don't know how to give it away to others. And I would just say, yes, you do. And yes, you can. Well, what are you talking about? Here's what I know. Here's what I know. Write this down. If God can use a donkey, then he can use me and he can use you. See, I, I think we have to get out of the excuses looking at who he's used and looking at who he's borrowed in the past should encourage me in the present and in the future. If God can use a little donkey that had never been ridden before, no experience prior, then certainly he could use me and you to carry the gospel in this crowded, crazy, chaotic world in which we live. And so I want to give you three simple truths, takeaways on how we can be a good donkey, all right? So I want you to write these down. How to be a good donkey that carries the good news into the world. Number one, faithfulness is key. Faithfulness. In other words, just don't wander. Luke 19.30 says it like this. As you enter it, the city, Jesus speaking, you're going to see a donkey tied there. You're going to see a donkey tied there. You're going to see a donkey tied to a post. It says in one other translation. And now in my holy imagination, I like to put myself into the story and imagine myself in this story as a little donkey. And when I think through that lens and through that kind of window, um, I, I would be, if I were that donkey, a little disappointed in my circumstances and in my situation and how my life is turning out. Here I am, Tied to a post where I see other donkeys carrying goods, carrying people, kind of carrying, uh, you know, other things, plowing fields, uh, doing significant things. And here I am just tied to a post, not being used, no experience, no opportunities in front of me. And I would be, if I was that donkey, tempted to break away. Tempted to be untied from this post. And I wonder, as I use this illustration, how many of you listening within the sound of my voice have felt that way or feel that way presently? You don't like your post. It feels insignificant. It feels like there's no uh, impact taking place. And you're tempted in this current condition to go out on your own. And we compare ourselves to other people and, and to the cultural uh, uh, pressures that are around us. And you know what? Some of you want to abandon ship. Some of you feel, I was made for more. Yes, you were. And I'm not doubting that and I'm not dismissing that. But the Bible has given you uh, many times, and this story reveals to us uh, once again that God tests us sometimes. He tests us to see if he can trust us. In Luke 16, 10, it says it like this. If you're faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in the large ones. In other words, he tests you now to see if he can trust you with more later, more later. This is my life story, everybody, as your pastor. You know, I watched, I was a late bloomer in everything. 
I was a late bloomer at sports. I was a late bloomer kind of intellectually. I was a late bloomer communicatively. I was a late bloomer as a, as a singer. I, there's nothing that I didn't come late, Johnny come late, okay? But I watched others get out ahead of me, peers and, and family and the like. And I used to think, while that was happening, I'm made for more. Like, why can't I go now? Why can't I do now? Why can't I share now? Why can't I have now? And it was tough because I was tied to my post. I was tied to my post. And God kept telling me, and the word kept telling me, remain faithful. And one day, the Lord spoke to me many years ago and said, Derek, you'll go further faster if you will wait a little longer. In other words, God said, stay tied to your post. And and since then, he's been nothing but right. In other words, it was just as he said, just as he prophesied to me, it was just as he said, he has given me more, he has showed me more than I could imagine, he's helped me start more than I could have begun on my own, and it was because, and it's directly connected to staying faithful, tied to my post. And some of you need to be reminded, be faithful to your post. You are learning and receiving lessons and even establishing relationships that will ensure your future. So I want you to know something. Write this down. Your post doesn't limit your potential. It develops it. It's not in your notes, but it doesn't say that last part, but God gave me that this morning. See, your post doesn't limit your potential, but while you're there, it's developing your potential. So just because you're still changing diapers at home and you got all these kids, just because you're working a nine-to-five job that you never wanted to work, just because you have a small group and it's only got three people, it's really small, just because you're stuck in a role with these limitations, just because you're working under somebody who doesn't see your potential, as you would say, don't abandon your post. Be faithful to what God has given to you. God is using this time. Just keep showing up. Just keep showing up. Philippians, Paul says it like this. No matter what you're doing, he says, rejoice. Even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. Your faithful service is an offering to God, and I want you to share in that joy. He's saying your faithful service is an offering to God. It's not what you think that's significant. Regardless of how many followers you have on IG and and, and Facebook and how many titles and letters after your name and how many zeros that you can write on a check, God sees what is significant is connected to what is faithful, to what is faithful. So I would just say this as I go to my next point. Stay tied to the post till the master needs you and calls you. Number two, write this down. We have to, uh, to be a good, a good donkey, we have to be fearless. Fearlessness. Fearlessness. Don't waver in this time we're in. I like to point out the painfully obvious aspect of this story is that it was just a donkey. That's what we first think and what we first see. There's just a donkey. Luke 19.30 says, you're going to see this young donkey there, okay? Now, when Jesus came or when Jesus called the donkey, notice he didn't change the donkey into something else, something more grand, something more powerful, taller, bigger, sexier, more beautiful, cooler, stronger, more sex appeal. No, he used the donkey as it was. I hope this pops for you. He needed the donkey the way the donkey was. 
In our toxic world of comparison, which is probably as great a disease or a virus as the coronavirus, we've become convinced that if God is going to use me, if I'm going to be a high-impact player, then I'm going to have to be something else. I'm going to have to be taller. I'm going to have to be smaller. I'm going to have to be more charismatic. I'm going to have to be more intellectual. I'm going to have to preach like T.D. Jakes. I'm going to have to preach like Stephen Furtick. I'm going to have to dress a certain way, lead a certain way, be a certain way. I'm going to have to change me. And fundamentally, I I can't be me. I guess the way God made me is not good enough. Is that really what's going on? See, God needs you the way you are. No one can beat you at being you. No one can beat you at being you. The only way that you're going to miss out on what God has called you to do is if you try to be something else, someone else, except you. God made you, and that is good enough. God needs you. He's called you for, uh, on purpose for a purpose. And so the donkey was what was needed. Look again at the story in verse 30. It says, if anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. Or you could say, the Lord needs you. The Lord needs you. This donkey had to come to a place of comfort and security with who he was. He had to accept that. Why? Because for for us to be successful, we have to do what David said in Psalm 139. Look at what David says. He says, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. In other words, determine the best, to be the best me is the best thing for me, okay? Too many people, I wrote this in my notes the other day, too many people fear what God didn't do instead of revere that they're fearfully made. See, if we look at the fact that God doesn't make mistakes and he doesn't make junk, instead of being mad at what God didn't do, we would get more done in the process. So God has called you. He's called me to live a fearless life. And if he didn't give me that gift and he didn't even give me that thing that I think I need, then I must not need it. I must be okay the way I've been created. So I'm called to live by faith, not by fear, to trust Jesus for my future. And I'm not going to try to be somebody else. I'm going to be the best me. I'm going to be the, the God that he made me to be. And what happens is when you accept that, suddenly you begin to see the significance in the uniqueness that God created you to be. Not too long ago, I went on a trip with some of my girls and, and of course, my bride. We went to Mexico. And we had this cool excursion that we went on. Uh, We were going to go up a mountain on a donkey, and then we were going to rappel and zip line down the mountain. Now, the down part seemed frightening. Little did I know how scary it would be to go up the mountain. But I received a donkey that I thought, when I got on this thing, there's no way, as big as I am, that this donkey is going to be able to carry me up the mountain. And I'm pretty sure he wasn't heavier than me. I want to show you a picture of this donkey, okay? So this guy was strong. He was really, really strong, and he was able to take me up this mountain. I was impressed. We call these donkeys beasts of burden. See, God needed, Jesus needed a beast of burden. They were by design uh, made to carry a lot of weight. Here's something so powerful that hit me the other day. I can't imagine how much weight was on Jesus' shoulders when he had the the sins of the world upon his back, and he was carrying that as he was approaching his final destination, the cross. 
on Calvary. And he needed someone to be able to carry that burden. He needed a donkey. He chose a donkey because he needed what was created by design to carry that weight. See, listen, everybody. We need faithfulness. We need fearlessness. And third point is we need fruitfulness. Fruitfulness, basically, we don't wait. We don't wait. Many of you think, oh, it's not my season yet. I'm not called to do that right now. I have to wait. I'm not ready. I can't do this. I'm still working some stuff out. I'm still struggling with that problem or that addiction. Listen, listen, don't wait. The donkey in this story, in my holy imagination, could have said, no, 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 no. That can't be my assignment. I, I haven't carried anything yet. I haven't carried anyone yet. And now you want me to carry the Savior of the world into the holy city in front of millions of people? No, I, 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 I can't do that. I, I, I'm afraid. I, I don't qualify. Uh, uh, but God wants you to be fruitful. In Luke 19.30, it says, as you enter, you'll see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. I think it's interesting that the very thing that he thought disqualified him, oddly enough, is probably what qualified him. The fact that he was a donkey. God God sometimes says to us, you know, I am going to use the thing that you think disqualifies you, the thing that you think separates you. See, God says, I need someone who's walked the road before. I need someone who can carry a certain amount of weight because you've gone through some things before. You've had some painful experiences. I need someone who went through that. I need someone who would be sensitive to that situation. I need you. I need a good donkey who would be fruitful in this situation. That's why you qualify. Now, Easter is an amazing time for God to use me and for God to use you. See, as I begin to wrap things up, I don't know if you realize this, but 80% of the people that you would invite to Easter statistically would say yes if you just invited them. And actually, this Easter, I don't think there's ever been an easier opportunity to invite people. More people are going online to watch services and more people will be interested this Easter probably than any Easter maybe in your lifetime. And all you have to do is just invite them, text them, call them, share something online. It's easy. And if you think about it, 80% of you who've grown up in church, been a part of church, regularly attend church, it's because someone invited you. And so that means that this week we may have this unique opportunity to be a good donkey and carry the light of Jesus into this chaotic world. Think about it. You might be the only Jesus any person would ever see. And God wants to see if you're ready. God wants to see if you're tied to that post when he calls you and when he needs you. God wants to see if you're willing to be used when he says, I need it. I need that donkey right now. So if you really believe there's a heaven and a hell, and I do, I believe that with all my heart. If, then how horrible would it be for people to cross eternity knowing what we know, knowing what we've accepted, and yet never being invited to experience that? See, I live with this weight as a pastor. No, let me say it this way. I live with this weight as a Christian. I, I don't want to pass from this life into eternity and hear God say, Derek, you know, you were a good pastor. You were faithful. Good job. You were, you were a decent husband. You had some <laughs> early years that weren't so great, but you, you're doing good. Derek, you were a good father. 
But can I tell you something? I don't understand after all those encounters and all those interactions that you've had with people, why didn't you ever, why didn't you invite that person at the grocery store that you've talked to so many times to church? Why, why didn't you invite those people at the gym that you say are your friends to church? Why, why didn't you invite them? I feel a weight about that. And I wonder how many lives, how many lives we pass and interact with that just need an invitation. So I want to show you quickly how to do that. I'm asking, this is your homework, church. This is your homework, Connect. This is your homework, those of you who call yourself Christians. Pray. Pray. When you pray for people who are far from God, you're going to have these divine interruptions. Uh, It'll never be convenient. You'll be like, oh, I can't believe right of all times right now. That's the way God does it. He borrows you at the most inconvenient times. And I'm asking you for one week to say to God, borrow me, borrow me. Use me however you want to use me. Pray that. Then number two, help people see Jesus. In other words, be a faithful donkey. Lift, be, be uplifted. Let people see a smile on your face, not like you were weaned on a pickle. Let them see that you actually believe what it is that we're talking about. Get fired up. What do you need to say? What do you need to do? Maybe just be like, hey, how's it going? When they say, how's it going? Just say, man, I'm so excited. Why are you so excited? Because it's Easter. Easter's coming. They say, well, what's that all about? Because he's, I, you know, because I was this and now I'm this. Because I was, I was lost and now I'm saved. Because I was broken and now I'm healed. You can begin to go through your testimony if you just light it up a little bit. And lastly, of course, you need to invite them to church. You need to invite them. It's so easy. We have more seats than we've ever had. (laughs) We got all the space in the world, everybody. You can get the best seat in the house because it's in your house, okay? So invite people to church next week. We've got five experiences. Look at this slide on Saturday. We have two services online on Saturday, and we have our normal three services on Sunday, of which you guys are experiencing today. We have plenty of room for anyone and everyone, all the seats you need. Invite them to one of these five options. I don't want you, but more importantly, I don't want them to miss out on the greatest opportunity. If we don't tell them, then I think we're saying we don't care, and I think you do care about people. But, but, but PD, where are the people? You know, I don't... Where are the people? Listen, look at what the Bible says in John 4, 35, as I conclude. John 4, 35 says, open your eyes. If you pray about it, God will open your eyes. And look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. So as I conclude, let me just say this. This Easter, Jesus wants to borrow you. Come on, somebody. Let's give God a big hand clap for his word. Let's thank him for what he just spoke to us. I'm so, so, so happy that you just heard that. Now, if you're here today and you're far from God, you're disconnected in any way, it's so important that you tell somebody, but we want to pray for you. In fact, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. And when I'm done, I just want you to click the banner below and say, that was me. I just received what pastor just prayed. But if you know you're disconnected from God, this is why he came into the world to make a connection with you. And so I want you to just close your eyes right wherever you are, wherever you're listening. Just say this. Say, Jesus, I want to thank you that you came into this world to make a way for me to be in right standing with you. Lord Jesus, today I receive salvation. I receive what you did for me, paying my debt, 
paying for my sin. And so today, I confess, you are my Savior, you are my Lord, and I am a new creation right now in Christ Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody out there said, and all of those that just raised their hand, everybody said, amen and amen.